Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, Rachel Maddow, and The Young Turks. So I've documented some of these wonderful things. I've, I've had one woman, uh, African-American woman, raised from the dead. She was stone-cold dead, and her prayers of her church brought her back to life. Another woman was a spastic quadriplegic from the these time These are things you've been particularly personally involved in? Well, uh, some of us have done their stories that we've carried on our television, and uh, <clears throat> our producers have done it. I, there's another that I think were involved in prayers that I gave specifically, but... Uh, Oh. Yeah, that's Pat Robertson uh, speaking about the stories of he and some of his co-prayers actually sort of technically raising people from the dead and curing their ailments and getting you to write a check for that. On the phone right now is Daniel Dennett, who is author and director of the Center for Cognitive Studies at Tufts University. He's here to talk about his new book, Breaking the Spell, Religion as a Natural Phenomenon which examines the role religion plays in our culture and, unfortunately, our politics and basically every aspect of our life. Welcome, welcome, Daniel. Good to be with you. Call me Dan, please. Dan, call me... Everybody calls me uh, Janie for some reason. You're welcome to do that. Janie? Janie. My name's Janine, but people tend to call me Jeannie or Janie. Okay. Uh, you can do that if you'd like. All right. Fine. Janie. Uh, now, I was reading today a transcript of your interview with Bill Moyers when he was filling in for Charlie Rose. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely oh. love it. I myself am an atheist, and, and uh, in reading your uh, interview with Bill Moyers, uh, I heard a term that I had not heard before for a free thinker and atheist, which is a bright. Oh, you haven't heard that? I had not heard that. I like that very much. Um, now, your book is called Breaking the Spell, Religion as a Natural Phenomenon. And... I would like to discuss with you or have you uh, talk about how religion works, basically, and how it has indeed evolved over the years. It's not, it hasn't been a set thing. It's, it's actually alive and evolving. Oh, it's changed tremendously. And, of course, there's many religions, and however many religions there are now, and it's hard to count them. There's so many different. There might be hundreds or thousands. There have been hundreds and thousands of others that have gone extinct. Religions have been evolving for thousands of years, and uh, they have a lot in common, but they also have a many, great many differences. So one of the things my book does is just looks at uh, the best evidence we have yet for how religion started and what they, what they came from and what they turned into. Organized religions today are hugely different from the religions of a couple of thousand years ago or of 5,000 years ago. They're as different as the music of today is from the music of a couple of thousand years ago. Right. Well, it sort of adapts to sometimes I think that the cynics uh, that tend to be at the head of certain organized religions, it adapts to what they think the needs are, usually for the powerful. Um, you're right. Um, and it does that even when they don't think deliberately about that. You, you don't have to be a Machiavellian schemer to adjust your religion to the times. You do it automatically. Every preacher that gets up every Sunday is subtly and perhaps without knowing what he's doing or what she's doing. They're, they're adjusting the message to what they, to the vibes they're getting from the congregation. And so religions evolve very slowly, sometimes and sometimes very fast. So there's also a concept I wanted to get into that you discussed with Bill Moyers about how religionists do it, how they, you know, religion has its own technology for belief maintenance, if you will. Can you yeah. get into that? 
Well, over the years, a whole lot of techniques have evolved for keeping the faithful faithful and for, and for improving the allegiance of people for their religions. And this is true across the board. It's as true of, of, of Confucianism and Hinduism as it is of, of, of uh, uh, Islam and, and all the hundreds and thousands, actually, of varieties of Christianity and Judaism. Um, uh, one of the tricks, uh, and if I call them tricks, uh, I mean that in a in a neutral sense. One of the one of the techniques is uh, that every religion should have something that's a little bit incomprehensible. Uh, a religion that's completely comprehensible is just just is not gonna is not gonna stay because it doesn't tweak people's imaginations enough. It doesn't it doesn't make make anything that that's sort of obsessive. You want your religion, if you want a religion to last, you want it to to linger in people's heads and be a little bit weird and and a little bit incomprehensible, so that they they tend to obsess a little bit about it and wonder about it. And and, uh, and if it's too prosaic, if it's too mundane, too matter of fact, then you know it's just like everything else. So so incomprehensibility is a very good trick. You want to add that to your religion. It's part of the stew. Right, and it, so, and it's also protected from disproof. There is no oh, yeah. no burden of proof incumbent upon the religionist. It, and not only that, but you have these other layers. It's like about six layers of of protection. First of all, you make it so it's simply immune to disconfirmation or confirmation. It's it's outside the realm of proof. But then you add another layer, uh, which says not only is it not possible to prove or disprove it, but it's evil to try. It, this is this is rude. This is this is. Um, uh, disrespectful. Uh, this is sacrilegious. You're a bad person if you even question. So it's like unexamined patriotism. Unexamined oh. religion and unexamined patriotism means obedience to a set of rules. Yeah, and as soon as as any organization has you self-censoring, uh, feeling guilty about even questioning the the fundamentals, then of course it has a very powerful trick. And you know, it, it's, 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 so it's, it's a, it's a stoppage of thought. And, and what's strange about that is if, it, uh, me being a bright or an atheist or a free thinker, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I enjoy inquiry and, and deconstruction and things of that nature. One would assume that a religionist would say, God gave me this brain. He would expect me to use it, to think. Well, you know, in fact, there are plenty of religionists, plenty of devout who do think. And, and, uh, in fact, uh, in a way, I directed my book to them, and they're responding very favorably to the book. They, they say, bring it on. Yeah, fine. No, I, I know. I know there's a rich tradition of, of, of enlightened religion and, and religion to use for the betterment of, of the individual and society at large. I'm, I'm sort of not really talking about that. Get, uh, I apologize. I should have made, I always do that. I tend to go towards what annoys me the most, which yeah, is, fair enough. which is the, uh, the, the, the right wing element, because I feel like, their problem is now a, a societal albatross, and that's what bothers me. I got no problem with religion when it is used in a way that raises all boats. I've probably said that phrase tonight 15 times. But it, if it's used as a blunt instrument uh, uh, to divide us. Yeah, I'm afraid uh, Yeah, I, that I share your, I share your uh, view on that exactly. And I think that there are a few very simple and straightforward positions, uh, moves that we can make to draw attention to this move that they're making and just disallow it. We just say, no, it doesn't matter. 
I mean, it's a fact of, of biographical interest, maybe, that your God has told you that this is the right thing to do. That doesn't settle anything. So what? Now you've got to convince the rest of us to whom your God doesn't speak. Why is this what we ought to do? And if they say, oh, well, this is just a matter of faith, then we say back, oh, in other words, you're opting out of the discussion. You don't actually have any reasons for your views. Well, okay, the rest of us are going to figure out what we ought to do. When you're ready to join the discussion, come join us. Well, there's also something that really bothers me, uh, and it, it's it's the, the concept of the false choice or the false opposition. And there's a, a Christian college here in the Empire State Building called King College, and it's one of these uh, colleges that uh, wants to uh, fast-track Christian uh, right rightist thinking Christians, fundamentalists, into journalism and politics and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an article about it in the Village Voice, and one of the students is quoted as saying this, and this is what I call the false choice or the false argument. Um, the girl does this poem where she said, bang, the big bang, it's just a theory, we are utterly alone, bang, your life has no meaning, or you can find Christ. Now, why is that the option? Yeah. Why, why, why is it that, first of all, the science is the one that has to prove itself, A, but B, why are they mutually exclusive? you got a guy like Einstein, a man of science, a man of faith. Yeah, well, uh, indeed, the, the whole idea that without, without God, and more particularly uh, for, for many people in this country, without Jesus, without, without the God of Christianity, your life has no meaning, is, uh, is uh, uh, just a preposterous a bit of propaganda, and it's very important to just... Uh, uh, say that. Uh, that's something I think that that we don't need to be polite about. We just say, I'm sorry, that's very rude. Uh, that's very, uh, 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 first of all, it's ignorant to say that. There's many other choices. And it's not true. And it's offensive. Don't, don't, don't say that uh, when it's so obviously false. Yeah, you know, I, I could not agree more. I think that, uh, in, by my way of thinking, a large problem in the political process and uh, and in right-wing mainstream religion and in corporate media in this country is the indulgence of this nonsense, the indulgence of Jerry Falwell, uh, the indulgence of creationism, the indulgence of uh, the Islamo-fascists want to kill us, they are evildoers, the indulgence of, of the Fox News war on Easter, war on Christmas. And you talked to Bill Boyers about a sweet tooth, which, oh. is, which is a craving that you can either indulge or work around. And that there is a craving for God that is genetically almost encoded within us, a craving for something, right? No, there's a craving for something. It doesn't have to be God, but there is definitely a craving. And God is one of the best uh, uh, satisfiers of that craving to date, yes. Now, so why is it that in, in the same way that our, our culture tends to honor uh, corporate dominionism uh, over the citizen, it honors... Um, anti-intellectualism, it honors war talk over peace, it, it honors um, this sort of indulging your lesser nature. But, you know what I mean? Like the, Dennis Kucinich was mocked for saying we should have a Department of Peace if we have a Department of War. Mm-hmm. And John Kerry and Al Gore were mocked for being intellectual. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? It's the worst tradition. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how it got started and... Uh, you would think that with the uh, 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 high rate of attendance in, in institutions of higher education, colleges and junior colleges and universities, that this uh, uh, really uh, gut-level anti-intellectualism would have run its course. But I think, uh, I think it's, 
so much encouraged and supported by certain actually very well-educated and very subtle people that find it uh, uh, useful to, to uh, encourage anti-intellectualism because, after all, the intellectuals are the ones that are doing the questioning. into the old mainstream to see if there's any gold worth panning for among today's top stories. Kent, I think you should stay for the front page today because this is really good. This is a good one. It's about Pat Robertson, a televangelist, right? Gift from the heavens to talk radio show hosts and producers everywhere. Uh, I actually did a search on my files this morning to, yeah. for the name Pat Robertson, mm-hmm. see what I've talked about him and what he's done yeah. and all the reasons he's come up on the show. There's so many hits came up in my own personal <laughs> files that I couldn't even go through them. But, you know, the highlights. Assassinate Hugo Chavez. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, 9-11 caused by gay people. Hurricane Katrina caused by abortion. It never stopped. It never stopped. Prayed for the death of Supreme Court justices. He says Muslims are demons. Yeah. Uh, he said the State Department, the, their headquarters at Foggy Bottom in Washington, D.C., ought to have a nuclear bomb dropped on them. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> So Pat Robertson uh, has brought us another present uh, to go along with my owl call that I got for my birthday. Uh, it's better in person. The owl call. Oh, it's awesome. It says on the side of it, loud. <laughs> anyway, Pat Robertson apparently did an interview with CBS News this weekend. It ran on Sunday morning in which he talked about his new book and how he personally, he televangelist Pat Robertson, heals people. Uh, he talked about how he specifically healed one woman in Israel who had bad asthma. Such bad asthma that it made people think she was demonically possessed. So someone sent her Pat Robertson to get over this. uh, And this is how he described this woman in the interview, which should have been a red flag right off the bat. She really looked like she was terrified. Retractive, uh, striking brunette, 45 years old, you know, thin, (laughs) 5'8 kind of thing. And uh, she had this look in her eyes. Looking right at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, show me your bad asthma. (laughs) Wait till you hear, though, how he proceeded with his efforts to heal her. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with her? I just prayed silently. (laughs) And the Lord said, ask about her sex life. And uh, the Lord said that to you. Yes, he said that to me. Yeah, okay. Aren't you glad I asked you to stay? Oh, so sweet. The woman's voice that you hear is the interviewer, Rita Braver, on CBS (laughs) Sunday Morning. And, you know, put yourself in her shoes. At this point in the interview, the televangelist is talking about how hot the woman with asthma is and how God wants him to ask her about her sex life. (laughs) If you're Rita Braver in this situation, do you get up and walk out? I don't know. She gets a medal for that one, I think. Well, he went on. Uh, great. So I prayed again. <laughs> Lord, what's the matter? And she, he said, ask her about her sex life. I, it's hard to imagine uh, the, the, the Lord said, to you. Well, he did. And I, and I said, uh, you know, please forgive me if I'm being personal, but tell me about your sex life. Tell me about your sex life. <laughs> the Lord not only asked Pat Robertson to do that yeah. once, but twice. But twice. And don't leave anything out. Right. <laughs> Wow. And, of course, it turns out that the woman's poor sex life was somehow the cause of her asthma. (laughs) Well, that's it right there. You can't breathe. 
because of your sex life. I'm not going to make the segue into the sinus balloon at all, but it is just, God oh, bless him. We owe him an Easter basket, and I they, think. Yes, exactly, and then they aired it. They, they, this happened. Phenomenal. Rita Braver stayed in the room with him, didn't get up and walk out, didn't sue him, and they aired it on television. She's a professional. Wow. That, <laughs> God is telling Pat Robertson, televangelists, uh, to ask hot ladies with asthma about doing it. It's just, <laughs> just incredible to me. But I'm thankful every day for this job. We are back on the Majority Report. I'm Janine Garofalo. On the phone is philosopher and author Daniel C. Dennett, author of Breaking the Spell, Religion as a Natural Phenomenon, available on Viking Press. He also has written Darwin's Dangerous Idea, Brainstorms, Elbow Room, Consciousness Explained, and Freedom Evolves. Um, Daniel, now, before the commercial break, I had mentioned uh, Reverend William Sloan Coffin, who has died at the age of 81. And he is a guy that was uh, sort of a champion during the 1960s, um, I remember him well. Right. So, so can you talk a little bit about his version, which is one that I, that I can sort of get behind—a social justice, anti-war, uh, enlightenment chaplain. He was at Yale University, right? Uh, yeah, he was a he was a true blue Ivy Leaguer, and he was at Yale, and he was a, the chaplain there, I guess. And um, he and a number of others were leaders in the anti-war movement during the Vietnam era. They spoke out bravely and eloquently, and. Uh, 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 Suffered for it, actually, but they he was still honored. Uh, was a was a wonderful hero. Uh, always a man of truth and decency and reason. Um, it's the it's the existence of uh, religious leaders like that, uh, and they there are still religious leaders like that, uh, and 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 religious people like that mm-hmm. that uh, uh, impress me uh, with the with the potential for religions being actually very powerful forces for saving us from some of the nightmares that we're in now. Right. And he and, and, and William Sloan Coffin Jr. went on to be the senior minister at the Riverside Church in New York, which has a very rich tradition of, uh, of liberal and progressive enlightened religion. And uh, Reverend James uh, Forbes is now the senior minister at Riverside Church, and he is also a wonderful man. And, uh, and, and William Sloan Coffin and other uh, liberal religious people were very instrumental in the anti-nuclear movement. And now, luckily, there's a, uh, a large and growing liberal evangelical pro-environment movement yes, and social justice and fair tax movement. It's important to realize that, yes. Yeah, I always do. And I try, I try and take pains uh, to let people know that I am not uh, indicting religion in general. And in fact, when I re- I read the uh, William Sloan Coffin's biography and I read a book called uh, Christ Before Christianity about radical Jesus, and it makes me want to join up. You know what I mean? There's there's it makes me go, oh, yeah, I would love to be a radical Christian because it feels good. We have a tribal mind. But what happens, I think, in sort of more right wing religions is it is a place for people who are hurting, feeling unloved, alienated, grappling with something else. And they don't fix that. And they just join a tribe for reasons that don't help anybody. Well, I think a lot of people, um, uh, with the best of intentions, they're trying to lead good lives, they want to be good, they look around, they can't see anything better to do than to throw their allegiance in with the church. And they just it just happens that a lot of the churches that they find to throw their allegiance with are 
governed by people who are not really willing to think about what the problems are and and to try to work on them and they have they have political ideologies that 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 uh are contemptuous of the truth and contemptuous of learning and uh i blame the leaders i don't blame the followers i think they're they're sucked in well it is it's a symbiotic relationship um you know cuz there's plenty oh, of of people who have written us plenty of death threats at this uh station who uh, claim to be religious who i i think enjoy the cruelty and the and the uh lack of empathy that, that exists that, in their religion. that's one of that's one of the most disturbing features of religions and it's true of every religion in the world yep. there as i can see is that it gives people an excuse to be violent uh and with a clear with a clear conscience it allows them to swashbuckle for their for their god and do things that otherwise would be simply uh inexcusable and in fact, it is inexcusable, and we've got to stop uh, giving any respect at all to uh, to religious violence. Uh, we don't respect the mafia, and we shouldn't respect religious violence, no matter no matter what religion it is. Now, speaking, going back to uh, free thinking, atheism, or being a bright. Now, a lot of people that I know uh, over the years that I have met that are atheists have a very high consciousness. And in fact, uh, the intellectual journey of the life of the mind is quite important to them. And they're very engaged yeah. people. And, and I, I feel like, at least in my experience, that's been the tendency. So I'd like you to talk a little more about being a bright and how you found out about it on that website uh, about free thinking or, or where brights come from. Well, uh, 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 Minga Futrell and, and Paul Geisel, who, who invented the term, are uh, high school were former high school and then college science teachers who uh, uh, had a bright idea, and that was that just the way homosexuals had scored a great political coup by coming up with the word gay and and spreading that, that what the uh, atheist agnostic community needed was a new snappy word, a positive word, and they hit upon the word bright as a noun. I'm a bright, you're a bright, we're brights. And they thought, just the way uh, uh, people say, we're gays. And, and they thought this was an a interesting term. It had, it had uh, echoes of the Enlightenment. And it was a, a sort of in-your-face. It has an edge to it. And they began promoting this uh, through, a, through a website and an organization. And I heard about it from uh, Richard Dawkins, the British biologist, who's a friend of mine. We both published articles about this, he in The Guardian and I in The New York Times. And... We were just flooded, hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of emails and letters and phone calls from people around the country who, who resonated to this idea of coming out of the closet as atheists. And uh, I had, I've had some wonderful experiences. Uh, for instance, uh, high school students just uh, uh, telling me they were just thrilled to hear an adult. They'd never heard an adult very calmly and matter-of-factly say, you know, I'm an atheist. No, I don't believe in God. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Person. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm leading a very moral life. And most, Daniel, most I'm so sorry. Are, who are we have wonderfully to go. moral. We're, we're, Daniel, we're Daniel, I'm so sorry. We have to go. I want to thank you so much. Your book information is on our blog, and I thank you so much for being here. A lot of fun people here. These conservatives and Republicans, they are a cast of characters. You gotta love them. So, Robertson's getting interviewed uh, this past Sunday uh, for CBS Sunday uh, Morning News. 
Uh, Rita Braver's doing the CBS News Sunday morning, I should say. Rita Braver's doing the interview. Uh, first, uh, there's two parts of this. Uh, they're back-to-back. First part is where he raises the dead. Second part is when he talks to God about sex. Let's start with the first part, Jer. Let's about sex. Hold on. Say that again, man. He doesn't just... He, God tells him to ask her about sex. Yeah. I, you're right. Yeah. That's a very important clarification. God very prurient. By the way, if you actually watch this clip on CBS News, they have it on cbsnews.com, I would imagine. Um, That's correct. By the way. Pat Robertson uh, apparently ate a sandwich before he uh, w- did this interview because the whole time during the interview, he's like... And picking his teeth with his tongue and stuff. It's nasty as it, enough as it is. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but... Is that we, right? Was he actually eating a sandwich? Or? Uh, you can't see if he ate the sandwich, but the whole time he's like... <laughs> and I'm like, cut it out, please, for the love of God. Somebody get him some water. Restart the interview. Anyway, here we go. Pat Robertson on uh, CBS. Well, I, I guess one of the reasons that we're here is to talk about your new book. You, you have a new book out. Right. It's your 17th. 17th. It's called Miracles Can Be Yours Today. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the basic thesis of your book? Well, the basic thesis is that there is a God in heaven who is all-powerful, who wants to help people, and that uh, he will answer prayers and does miraculous things in people's lives. And so I've documented some of these wonderful things. I've, I've had one woman, uh, African-American woman, raised from the dead. She was stone-cold dead, and her prayers of her church brought her back to life. Another woman was a spastic quadriplegic from the these time These are things you've been... Particularly personally involved in? Well, uh, some of us uh, have heard these stories that we have carried on our television, and uh, (coughs) our producers have done it. There's another that I think (laughs) involved in prayers that I gave specifically, but uh, uh, okay, stop it right there for a second. Your producers have raised people from the dead. Yeah, well, those are pretty good producers. (laughs) Jr. Man, you suck. I thought you were good, but I never seen you raise anybody from the dead. Jesus, Dave. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, you know, I, like, I don't want to be critical of a, of a religious book. I don't know much about religion, as listeners to this program know, but Rita Braver. Well, what's the basic thesis of your book, Pat Robertson? Well, the basic thesis is that there's a God in heaven who's all-powerful who wants to help people. Uh, not that original. <laughs> I think uh, that really the concept behind God, uh, everyone's down with that. That's not much of a thesis. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, that's the thesis of the uh, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if uh, Pat Robertson or his producers can raise people from the dead, maybe they got a new Bible. Not I mean, just, they, because they're as powerful as Jesus. Not just people, black people. Oh, no, she was an African-American. I've had, I've had one woman, African-American woman, raised from the dead. She was stone cold dead. <laughs> no, we can't she, she wasn't just dead. She was stone cold dead. No, that's we, extra dead. That's super dead. No, but but Ben, we're kidding around. But he said it. No, I know. I, I have the transcript right here. You just heard it. He said he she was dead. She was stone cold dead. <laughs> stone cold dead. Because like some people are just regular dead, and anybody can bring them back. <laughs> that, that doesn't take Pat Robertson's producers. Bringing back a dead person—that's nothing. Any religious uh, charlatan could do that. Uh, Joe Smith was doing that right and left. Bringing somebody back stone cold dead. Well, that is some serious miracling. And it's just, she says, did you do it? Did you, was this personal stuff? He says, well, in the beginning, he, by the way, said her church's prayers, right? And then, you know, he, she says, well, did you do this personally? He said, well, I wasn't quite involved, but, you know, my producers, my producers. These stories them. that we've carried on television, 
Yeah. And our producers have done it. So, again, apparently uh, you don't need to, to speak to God you, to, to raise people from the dead, from the stone-cold dead. You just need to be a television producer. How stupid do you have to be to give this guy money? Stephen Bochco has brought people back from being stone-cold dead. He's that good a producer. <laughs> I mean, look, you you watch this guy on TV, and you're good Christian you know, folks, and you think, hey, I'm going to help out Jesus by giving Pat Robertson money. And then you hear him say, oh, he raises people from the dead. Uh, isn't that only, uh, my understanding is that's sacrilegious, isn't it? I mean, that Jesus raises people from the dead. Pat Robertson's producers don't no, raise No, Jesus raises people from the dead, and Jerry Bruckheimer raises people from the dead. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, so producers do have that capability. Yeah, they do. How many people okay. realize that? All right, that's right. But it does that's some, in Matthew, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Um, well, more scintillating stuff coming and he out. he shall say action. <laughs> he shall say quiet on the set. <laughs> then he shall say background action. <laughs> then he shall say action. Then he shall say African American woman rise from the dead. From the stone cold. <laughs> you know, if there's an African American woman there, you know why? He's, he's like, he's like oh, I see, I love black people. I'm not racist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, yes, I own diamond mines in Liberia. <laughs> and they, you know, brutally oppress the people there and chop off limbs to get that diamond. But I raised an African-American woman from the dead. Uh, he loves black people. Yeah. Uh, if he didn't love him, why would his producers raise him from the dead? He'd just keep him dead. Again, <laughs> stone cold dead. All right, that's the first part. Now the second part here, uh, continuing with Rita Braver on CBS News, Pat Robertson telling uh, his uh, pillow talk with God. Really, uh, they're heartwarming. They just bring tears to your eyes, some of these things. And they're... they're you know, you, you talk about a, a couple of very specific cases in the book that yeah. you say you were personally involved in. Mm -hmm. You tell the story of uh, being on a trip to the Holy Land and some people mm -hmm. coming to you and asking you if you can help a woman with severe asthma. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you say that that spoke to well, you and told you... Well, it wasn't quite that way. It was, well, anyhow, they thought she was demon-possessed. And these women, yeah, there was a conference, <laughs> and they said, go cast demons out of her. And I ignored it and ate dinner and went on to the meeting. And the Can next we stop it there for a quick sec? I mean, well, I wouldn't put it quite that way. Uh, they thought she was demon-possessed. Like, that's just a regular thing in his life. She was demon-possessed, and these women are in the conference, and they said, go cast the demons out of her. And I ignored it and ate dinner. The poor woman's possessed by a demon. It's not time for dinner. It's, it's time to cast those demons aside, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to lie to these people and pretend that you're some miracle worker that you're not, and you're just taking your money and their money and reinvesting it in Liberian diamond mines, you got to finish on with the charade. you got to stop everything. you got to stop eating and go pretend to fix her asthma. Right. So, well, you know, I ignored it. <laughs> I ignored it, ate dinner, and went on to the meeting. Uh, you know... Um it was like that. It's like the nine one one operator. The poor, terrible story about the six year old kid who called because his mother's collapsed and they please come save my mother in Detroit. And the nine one one operator's like, don't play with nine one one. His mother's dying on the floor, you know. And Pat Robertson's like, I'm eating. I can't think. The demons look. The demons are still. Are the demons going to be in there after I eat dessert? I think so. I'll take care of it then. But Pat Robertson does go and take care of it. Yes. They had moved this poor woman out of the hotel. She was crying out for mercy and saying, oh, God, help me, because she had such bad asthma. So and um, then I, went I had breakfast. to go see her. But fortunately, I had my wife with her. So we went to another hotel uh, in the heart of Jerusalem and knocked on the door. And here, this hunted woman, she looked like she really looked like she was terrified, very attractive uh, 
striking brunette, 45 years old, you know, thin, 5'8 kind of thing. And uh, she was looking at her eyes. Ass, man. You and um, so nickels off of I went in, and my wife was with me, and they took the two chairs, and I sat on the bed. And I said, tell me about your problem. She said, I've got this asthma. And I said, have you been to a doctor? And, and she said, yes, the doctor said my asthma is caused by praying with nuns. And I said, a doctor? That, that sounds, a that doctor? sounds like you should have advised her maybe go see another doctor. <laughs> well, I said, the doctor told you? They said, yes, that's what my doctor told me. And I yeah, said, let's stop it for a second. No the fact that she's possessed by a demon doesn't phase him. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, well, obviously, right? Let right. me go eat dinner. I'll come back and fix your yeah, ass I'll up. I'll finish right? my chicken. Right. And then he walks in. He's like, man, damn, she's hot. Yeah, right? I, I should have come here earlier. Yeah. yeah. Why did I bring my she's wife? She's striking. She's 5'8". She's got a tight ass and these supple, pouting breasts. <laughs> and she was terrified. Haunted. Haunted. <laughs> she was haunted. She was haunted. She was haunted. She was haunted with a great rat. <laughs> I'm still haunted by how hot she was. <laughs> Look at 45 years old, you know, thin, 5'8", kind of. Here's what he said. Striking brunette, 45 years old, you know, thin, 5'8", kind of thing. 5'8", <laughs> kind of thing. Hello, 5'8", kind of thing going on. Now, you're going to listen to this story, and he's going to say how his wife was in the room another two or three times, okay? Right, because he's not going to. Yeah, leading me to wonder if his wife was actually in the room. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, because... Somebody got him in a hotel room in Jerusalem with a strikingly beautiful woman, and he says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. She was presented by demon, right? <laughs> <laughs> she had this story about the asthma. My wife was in the room. My wife was in the room. My wife was in the room. And I bouncing those nickels off her ass. I'll tell you, this woman was hot. Yeah, well, she was a 5'8 kind of thing. Okay, now, but the reason I stopped there is because he's not struck by any of that stuff. Demon possession, whatever, not faced, but... The doctor says, hey, you got this by praying with nuns. And he thinks that's absurd. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, well, how would you possibly get asthma by praying with nuns? It's obvious that Lucifer possessed you instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I agree with him on that. Like, she didn't get her asthma praying with nuns. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but it's no more absurd than what you do what this guy's up Of course right? not. Right. All right, so here we go. That praying with nuns is going to cause you uh, asthma. And then I prayed. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with her? I just prayed silently. And the Lord said, ask about her sex life. Oh, and uh, the Lord did he? Yes, he said that to me. And I said, there's no way I'm going to ask a strange woman about her sex life. So I said, uh, uh, excuse me for uh, being personal, but could you tell me about your marriage? She said, oh, I have a wonderful marriage. I said, you do? She said, I've got a wonderful husband, wonderful marriage. It's just absolutely marvelous. I said, you do? She said, yes. So I prayed again. I said, Lord, what's the matter? And she, he said, ask her about her sex life. Twice. It's hard to imagine uh, the, 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 the Lord saying to you. Well, he did. And I, and I said, uh, you know, please forgive me if I'm being personal, but tell me about your sex life. And she said, I don't have any. And I said, well, I thought you had a wonderful marriage. And she said, uh, I do, but I don't have any sex life. And I said, how long has that been going on? She said, two years. And I said, um, and that's when I your asthma started, isn't it? And she said, yes. And I said, well, it's obviously you're blaming yourself uh, 
for this condition. What's the problem? And she said, my husband's impotent. And I said, you think it's your fault? And she said, yes, it's my, I think it's my fault. And I said, well, it isn't your fault. And it may be that he's working too hard. He may be having a physical impairment. But uh, there's something in his life, and this isn't your fault. And she said, it's not? I said, absolutely not. And I said, okay, now let's pray for your asthma. She said, okay. And we prayed, and God healed her asthma just like that. And uh, You know, that's a tough one for people to swallow. I was there. My wife was a witness, and thank goodness she was there. I never would have done this otherwise. But oh, I'm that sure one you went on away rejoicing, and it took maybe. Yeah, I, I think that's good enough. I think we got the point there. <laughs> I, I love that. No, my wife was there. My When I asked her about her sex life, I'm telling you, my wife was there. And I was curing her ass. <laughs> Ma? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, uh, you, you're married? Oh, you got a good married life? How about your sex life? Are you satisfied with that? Oh, your husband's impotent. Let's roll, baby. Why are we supposed to pay attention to Pat Robertson when he says God whispered in his ear to ask this woman about her sex life? But pedophiles who say, God made me do it, they're crazy. Yeah. Look, let's get real. Uh, my guess is at some point he got caught in a hotel room with this really hot chick, right? And he says, no, I'm going to cure her. She was possessed by Satan. And, you know, she had uh, asthma. Like, because he's looking at her ass, right? He's like, uh, asthma. Right. He's got asthma. And then God made right, me do cause, it. Because there's no disease called breastma. <laughs> right, exactly. God made me do it. He said, ask her about her sex life. What can I do? And the next thing you know, hey, somebody get my wife. Please, somebody get my See, she's in the room. She's in the room. We're all okay. And the wife signed on to because she's making gazillions of dollars along with this. That's my guess. Well, I don't know. I have no facts to back that I up. I understand. I'm going to disagree with that because I think if that were the case, he wouldn't write about it in the book. He'd leave it alone. Yeah, you never know with this guy. It's true, but here's what he might be addressing something that people know, like in the know, like we don't know anything. Yeah, about right. It. He's saying to his followers, to, to his flock. Yeah. Look, I was curing her of asthma, the the five A kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so God talks to Pat Robertson apparently uh, on a regular basis, and it whispers sweet nothings in his ear. You know, sometimes you know when you read stuff, you want to uh, uh, sort of add phrases to your own uh, dictionary, your own sort of language. And and I and frequently I forget the stuff I want to say in life. I really want to now with you and my other friends. I want to see a good looking woman. I want I want to be like oh, she's a five eight kind of thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a five eight kind of thing. You know that's what I'm saying? Awesome. Afterwards, God told me, "Hey man, did you get a load of Iraq?" <laughs> Who believes this guy? This what he, he win? He won uh, the Republican caucus in Iowa, right? Re- won the Republican caucus in Iowa, or finished second? Or maybe he won. I can't Did remember. Did he win or come inside? This guy was to this day gets meetings with the White House. Unbelievable. Yeah, and again, he thinks God whispered and said, "He God, he according to him, God said, ask her about her sex life." Uh, the people who believe this, I wish you a lot of luck. You're going to get uh, a lot of your money stolen throughout your life. Uh, good luck. <laughs> This is Jank Uger from the Young Turks. This Best of the Left podcast is awesome. After listening to these clips, go to our website at theyoungturks.com. Since the cable networks refuse to put a liberal talk show on the air, we put one on the Internet. You can watch the Young Turks live every day from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And please support the show by becoming a member or purchasing Young Turks merchandise. All at theyoungturks.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you've been listening for a while, you might remember uh, quite a while back when I announced that uh, I had been referred to for the first time in my life as a great American by a very kind listener who left me a comment at Podcast Alley.
Well, in keeping with that tradition of uh, making announcements of momentous occasions of, uh, of the show, I would like to now announce that I have been referred to as the bomb. Well, Dr. G, I appreciate that very much. I will see your bomb and raise you a diggity because you are the exact kind of enthusiastic listener that I need leaving me reviews at iTunes. You see how I brought it all back around to what I need to talk about anyways? So it's uh, it's getting towards the end of April. If you've been listening, you are probably more aware than you wish you were that I have been pushing a iTunes Music Store review campaign for the month of April. We're getting down towards the end, and I am near, but not quite at my goal. Which is fine, of course, but I would like to strongly encourage you to go to either iTunes or my website, and there's a link right there to uh, to go to iTunes, and leave me a review. It, it doesn't take many of you. I mean, I, I really am very close to to my goal, and you will be my utter hero if uh, if you go and leave reviews at iTunes. To the best of my knowledge, this is the best way to help promote the show. Um, I may be delusional, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think there really is a decent chance to get myself not quite on the homepage of iTunes, but in like the news and politics section of the iTunes homepage, which would enormously improve my uh, circulation, if you will. And that's, um, that's what it's all about. You see, I just see myself as a tool to help promote these shows and uh, all of their crazy liberal ideas that they're always pushing. And in turn, I see you as my listeners as um, really nothing more than just tools to help promote me. So head to my website, bestleftpodcast.com, find the link, or just go straight to the music store and uh, pour your heart out. It will be an enormous help. Have a good one, everybody.